So today we'll talk about, if we go back to that, the harvest. Um, and we look at Matthew 18. Question mark means when we make an inquiry of God, do not be a, the exclamation mark is often where there was a strong warning that came forward. Um, the period, question mark, exclamation mark, is kind of all buried. Those are the parables. All right? So, this is just an icon of what, when we read the scripture, what is the inquiry of our heart? We must know what God is saying, and we could find that in the parables and the things that Jesus Christ said to us. Um, and sometimes he gives very strong warning. Yeah? And, and we must be mindful of that. But when you hear this scripture, you should not hear it as a condemnation. Sometimes you see some things in the scripture, and it sounds very harsh. In everything, God, truth, God is good. Okay? That's a truth. That will never change. But God chastens those whom he loves. And sometimes there's scripture that seems very direct. And if we don't come to it correctly, we could be condemned rather than seeing the mercy of the Father that is buried within the very same scripture to bring us into life. All right? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2nd or 1st. Who could help me there? That's the one with all scripture is given for reproof. Who gets there for 2nd or 1st Timothy 3, 16 to 17? Chapter 3. Let's help us. Anybody got there faster than we did? First? 2 Timothy 3, 16. Yeah. All right. All scripture is God. Ah, I can't say that. P-H-E-D. What's that word? Breathe it. Breathe it. Ah. I'm tongue-tied with those things. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. All right? All scripture. So when we look at all scripture, and we're going to look at Matthew 18, you may see yourself in some of those things. You may typecast yourself as a Pharisee. You may typecast yourself as the one who is at the recipient end. But in all the scripture, for everyone, there is a path that God provides to bring you into the image of Christ. No one is excluded. All right? And, and, and we get to that place by faith. Remember that woman who came begging um, to Jesus Christ. And he says, um, I'm not sent to you. He, I think he called her a dog. And then the woman said, but please, even the dogs are able to eat the crumbs off the master's table. And he says, whoa. He was amazed at her faith. And he said, you will receive according to your faith. Yeah? So the plan of God from the very beginning was to reconcile man to himself. Okay? From the very beginning. We were all created for that purpose. Even after Adam fell, God was committed to a plan to bring man back to himself. So when we look into the scriptures, and the scriptures to me, I call it, that's the family album. That's the family tree. All right? And I look into the family album to see things that are part of my DNA. Now, you can look in the family album and you can see different things. If I look for someone who has a big nose to justify, yeah, my nose is big, I will see a big nose somewhere in the family tree going back. If I go look in the family tree to say, we are always failures, I will find somebody who have failed in the family album. 
But if I look in the family, I want to see the positive traits of that which is intended for me. I could see those things. The big nose is there. But just as those images we talked about is based on what you're focusing on. All right? Are you going to see the duck or the rabbit? Are you able to see the duck and the rabbit and be contented and still know that the identity of you is buried within the scriptures of God? All right? So we're going to talk today about um, the harvest, our responsibility in it. I will talk about the stumbling block, but I don't want you to hear the stumbling block from a position of condemnation. All right? We are the redeemed of God, but I don't want you to hear the stumbling block from a point of condemnation. So if we go back um, to the PowerPoint. All right. So in Matthew 18, it started with the disciples asking, who is the greatest? Was it the disciples? There was a question asked, who is the greatest? And then Christ sought to answer that question, but he quickly went on to talking to them about being a stumbling block. And I found that quite interesting. Um, and sometimes when you just kind of read the Gospels, not just, a, not just a verse or a chapter, you kind of read a broad breadth of the Scripture, there is a common theme that comes out, yeah? And in Matthew Gospels, he dealt with who is the greatest. He dealt with being first and last. He dealt with being a stumbling block. And there's a lot of wealth buried in the Gospels from about verse 14, I love, to up to 22, all right? But just before the kids went out, I showed you these images, and nobody is, everybody who sees this now, they know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah? You see the images. You see the duck, you see the rabbit, yeah? Because you have become familiar with the image, we've spoken about it, and it's now not a trick to you. You see this five years from today, you will exactly see what I'm talking about. We saw the words there. What do you see here? Hands up, help me. You see a man's face? A woman with a long fur coat walking. Anything else? Face with a big nose, Neen says. <laughs> Emphasis on the big nose and not much hair. All right, we see what Neil lenses. Neil lenses, the big nose, not much hair. All right. <laughs> All right, then. So when we look at this scripture, as I said a bit earlier, we're looking for ourselves in the family tree. We're seeking to empower our walk. But ultimately, the thing that is buried in that image is Christ. All right? So when I see this picture, I see, I see life circumstances, a woman going for a walk under a tree. I see like a city in the back there. You know, I imagine that is probably Bath, where she is, what season it is, based on the leaves on the tree. You could see all of that. But then, as Cameron said, I see a face. And I, I think that is so interesting that you could see life, but then you could see an image of a person. And that's when God says, all this age will be wrapped up into one. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. That is what it means. In all of life, all God has intended is to reconcile man to himself. That's the one single purpose. And at the end, we will all be redeemed to reflect Christ. So when we look at our individual circumstances, and if you were to pick out any one of these dots, any of these marks in this image as being the representation of you in the big tapestry of life, 
that God is designed to, 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 to reveal, we all will reflect God together as we submit and yield ourselves to him. But in that, there is a challenge. If you decide as that dot, you want to be here because you like that part of the scene, or you don't want to be there, you want to be red, or you want to cut across, you could distort the image of Christ. Is that clear? If you seek to exercise your own preference and not operate within the context and the revelation that God has given to you, you could possibly distort the image. Now, if I put a dot here as I'm shining this red one, you're still seeing the face and you're still seeing um, the image of the life. Are we not? Yeah? But it's, it's, it's in the wrong place. Do you understand? The, the dot shouldn't be there. It serves no purpose. And that's what we need to ensure. Um, I was in the, they call it the weekend army, um, the territorial army when I just came here. And on Thursdays and two weekends per, per, per month, we used to have to go and roll around in the bush and shoot guns and all that kind of stuff. Mark, if you could help me with this. Come, come forward. Come forward. I'm picking on Mark. Just remembered something I saw this morning. Dave was outside when I was heckling Mark this morning. Um, come with me, Mark. Come up here. What do you notice? Some of you may say, Hans, you didn't take your regular shave this morning. Yes, I did not. <laughs> I was rushing out. Or Mark didn't follow the code and wear the black shoes as we were planning. We didn't plan this, but we're in uniform. Yeah? Similar. Similar. Thanks, Mark. And <laughs> I'll explain what I mean. When, when I was in the army, if you looked outside the gates and you look at us when we were in, in, you know, in the morning drill, you will see a bunch of soldiers well-dressed, I hope you, have, you, you say that, well-dressed, in uniform, rank and file. All right? And you say, wow, they look really well. When you see Horse Guard Parade, you say, those guys look, they're marching in time and stuff. When you're in the drill, when you're in that drill parade, that's not what you hear. And after the parade, that's not what you hear. And before you go out there, you can't cry because your mates will take you know, they will not let you forget it. But there's a drill sergeant who walks along. And he says, Private Beard, why didn't you shave this morning? That belt buckle isn't polished. That shoe, why you didn't stick in that lace? Is that the issue of that Lance Corporal thing that we issued last week or last month? You looking from a distance, you see rank and file. But we who a part of that platoon or that drill sergeant, he knows exactly how I am meant to look to how this person is meant to look. So you see uniform, you see the British Army, you see Horse Guard. We have individual expectations of us. And that's like God. God says he will judge every man according to his works. And there's an expectation that even as we are the body of Christ and we are adopted into his rest, there is an expectation and an obedience in this life that he's asking Ben for, he's asking Anthony for, he's asking each of us for. And we are called to walk in accordance to that. All right? So there's a general expectation, that's the point I'm trying to make, but there's also an individual responsibility. And we all know that because his spirit bears witness with our spirit. Okay? And sometimes what may be 
reasonable for me to do may not be reasonable for Neil to do. But we're part of the same army. We're in the same platoon. All right? Hopefully you got that point. You got it? All right, then. So we're talking about the image of Christ. So we all dots, we all marks on the paper, but we have spheres or particular locations that we need to occupy in order for us not to be a stumbling block and for us to reflect Christ. What do we see in this one? <laughs> Neil says, oh, I will not repeat that. I wouldn't bore us with the science, but this is a, a stethoscope. I wouldn't call that with. This is a, I would put it on the website, all right, and you'll have a chance to go look at it in the notes, all right. But this is a 2D image, and if you look at it long enough and you focus and you relax, it shows a 3D image buried inside of it. All right. So I don't want to try to make it any more complicated. If you have a chance to see it, punks on me next week and say, Hans, exactly, I know what you're talking about, I saw it. But remember, just as we looked at these images, there is something buried there, but as you gaze, as you meditate, as you focus, it comes to life. And that is the script here. The script here does that. The family album does that. And spending time with the Holy Spirit does that as well. All right? You're all convinced about these images, but I'm sure right now, Nobody could tell me what's buried inside there. All right? But trust me, something is, just as it was in the others. All right? And therefore, um, as we talk about the stumbling block and the harvest, God has said he will leave nuggets inside of life for us to discover him and come to the place where we reflect Christ in this life. All right? So if you just take that off, put out the Lifeline logo, just that nobody... Continues focusing on that and doesn't don't listen to me. All right then. All right. So I started. I talk about Matthew 18. We're gonna come to that, but I want when I come to it, we could say yes. I now see it. I believe it. All right. So I'm doing, I'm doing a bunny trail, so to speak. And what I'm hoping to do is that bunny trail becomes like the lens that causes us to recognize the image that is buried inside of the scripture. All right. So please be patient with me. All right. So. I talked about the desire of God from the very beginning is to reconcile man. Um, and scripture comes to mind. Um, we talked about the scripture about when we looked, was it Isaiah 60 we spoke about before? Arise and shine the light and the darkness. And we said often we look at the darkness and we forget all the other verses that talked about it. Um, you know, there's this scripture, Philippians 4, 8, if you could bring that up, Jamie. And it says, think on those things that are pure. While Jamie is bringing that up, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard of me, 
or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be in you. Anyone, has the enemy reminded you of that recently? Or across your walk of it? Have Satan brought that scripture to mind when you're in a dark hour? Anybody? No? All right, then. Let's go to the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. And I think we all know that those scriptures buried there. The one that says, was talking to young men. If you look at somebody in your heart with lust, you have already committed adultery. If you look at a brother with hate, you have already killed him, so to speak. We know those scriptures while Jamie's going to them. Yeah? Have any time the enemy brought those scriptures to you? Anyone in here? Whoa. The enemy don't harass you all, only me. <laughs> he often brings those scriptures to me. Yeah? Talking about, if I only conceive it in my heart, I've already done it. And he says that to me as a condemnation, as a word of condemnation. Not to convict, but to condemn. To say I am unworthy. Yeah? But most of Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes spent a lot of time talking about us being in the light and the beauty of who we are. All right? Jesus was talking to the disciples. But often the thing that I could call back to mind, or the enemy seeks to call back to mind, is the words that seek to say how far and separate I am from him. And guys, why I'm saying the stumbling block, and I'm talking about the enemy as a stumbling block, but also we ourselves could sometimes be the stumbling block. It is, the enemy is described as the accuser, all right? The one who seeks to take the scripture or to take life circumstances and to show you why you are not able to access God. Jesus came to do something differently. He came in, I think it's Hebrew 4.12. Bring up Hebrews 4.12. Yeah. So this is the word of God. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to penetrate even to divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow. And different translations, I think the amplified versions, and they, 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 they emphasize what this is. Some say dividing between thought and spirit. All right? So, we know the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. If you stay in this realm, our thoughts are the base. But the word of God is able to divide and to show you the truth, which is the word of God that is able to rejuvenate your spirit and cause your soul to yearn after it. But also, some people have intents. If we stay in this realm and don't think the thoughts of God, we will stay in a debased form. And every time we look at the image, we will do like Adam and Eve. And we'll run away and hide. Now, often when I used to look at that scripture with Adam and Eve running away and hiding, I think, oh, foolish you guys are. Oh, gosh, God is a good, good father. Why you don't run back into his arms? And we kind of say it with a kind of pointed finger. But I tell you, how many times in life, when we transgress or fall short, we feel unworthy for journeying to the Father? Anybody in here identify with that? Ah, I'm getting some responses now. Bless you. <laughs> yeah, often we feel that that voice of God, when it comes, it is coming to judge. So the first thing you do is avoid. If somebody even ring on that phone, on that mobile, you're thinking, oh, God drop a witness inside of them. They come in to, to say something. You know what? There's prayer, first Tuesday prayer tonight, FTP. I learned that acronym. I'm not going to go there unless in case somebody brings a word. 
or there's Sunday meeting, you know what? This headache is really acute or this cold. I should probably rest and not infect these people and I'll stay home this Sunday. Yeah? We seem to separate ourselves from the very environment that is desiring to bring us into life. All right? And that's what the enemy is trying to do. Now, we also have... Point at yourself. Point at yourself. Even us. Sometimes we stand in the way of ourselves and others coming into the kingdom. And that's a stumbling block. Okay? How that could manifest. Remember Peter? Just after God flowed through him, the revelation of who the Messiah is, and Jesus commended him. You know, he said, thou art the rock. You know, upon this I'll build my church. Right after he said, okay, you have clarity of sight. Let me explain to you something that is going to happen. You know what? I'll be delivered into the hands of men. And they will tear down this body, this, that. And he zealously said, no, this will never happen. Da, 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 da. And then he had to be rebuked. Out of that same vessel, which light flowed through, we see Peter now bringing his carnality and exercising his preference. Yeah? No, I want your familiarity. Stay with me. Yeah? And that's often with life circumstances. Sometimes we're walking through circumstances. If we just seek an escape from life circumstances and not be totally focused on what is the will and the intent of God, we are being like Peter in that circumstance. Okay? And sometimes we could prevent friends. I'm not saying desire for friends to experience hardship. What I'm saying is when you look at circumstances, even in the lives of friends, make sure you're looking through the lens of God's intent and allow the Holy Spirit to bring clarity before you speak quickly and seek an escape that is not one God has intended for them. Okay? Everybody getting that? Please, I hope you're hearing this with what I said. Not as an accusation or as a limitation, but just in terms of an adjustment we could bring to how we look at the scripture so we could see life and provide life for others. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see if I could make it personal. When did I? One that I shared here before, so probably it comes to mind. And Tater is here. Um, I use her. I, when I was 17, um, studying, I was. Yeah, study, yeah, just about to go into college. I saw, I was sitting on the, on the floor, and a, a, one of my university, not university, schoolmates said, hey, Hans, what's that below your foot? And I said, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. And I felt it. It was something hard, like a callus, what do you call that thing? Hard piece of flesh. Callus. Yeah. I then went to the doctor, asked what it is. Then they said it's psoriasis. What is that? Never heard of that before. And they said that's a, that is skin multiplying fast in that location. And it comes about um, when sometimes you're stressed. And it's a hereditary condition. It normally manifests at 17 in your 30s, you know, whatever the case is. Now, that was like, whoa, I don't stress. I'm sure I'm going to pass these exams. <laughs> and this is hereditary. Will I pass it on to my kids? And I, I was in a, in a zone for a certain while, and I said, 
I just felt clearly that this wasn't something to pray on, to seek healing from. All right? So I got that revelation. I told my friends, and they said, okay. And I said, throughout life, since then, I still have some manifestation of it. I call it my spiritual barometer. Yeah? So when it's inflamed, it means I'm not resting in the peace of God. When it dissipates and it goes away, I take it as a reflection of I'm finding a sense of rest inside of him. Now listen to me clearly to the end. I'm not saying don't pray for something God have desires to heal you from. I'm saying for me, I got a revelation of that. Um, moved many years on, landed here in 2000. In February the 18th, I took a job at Claridge's Hotel. Then I had to serve, um, it was, I think, David Blunkett the first day I went in. Then Prince Charles and the royal family and stuff. And I'm not name dropping, but I'm saying I was in this hotel. I was very prestigious. And I had to go to them with plates and put stuff down. Now, at that time, I had this big thing manifesting on my hand. So I felt very conspicuous and very embarrassed. And I remember the Spirit of God talking to me again. My grace is sufficient. And this is not something to be embarrassed about. All right? So I used to cream my hands, moisturize my hands a lot, whatever. But I felt a bit of comfort with it. But again, still not seeking an escape. And last year, and Taylor will bear me witness, um, we were driving up to Brentwood to drop her off to school. And just as we pulled out a traffic light, I was really struggling with God with something. It was November last year. And Taylor had this... this um, started to bite her knuckles. Uh, she, I don't think she would feel bad that I mentioned it. I think I shared it here before. She started to bite her knuckles, and we couldn't understand what it is. And we said, why you start? Is it stress? We're looking to see if it's exams, if it's this. No explanation. She said, sometimes I just do it. Sometimes she's watching TV happily, and she's biting her knuckles. And I remember that morning, driving up to Brentwood, just as we were at that traffic light, God said, this is why you suffered that. Take that hand cream you've been using for the last years and give it to her. Okay, this song's a bit funny and strange. I took the hand cream, I gave it to Taylor, and I also told her what God said. And literally, Taylor, between in, in a month or less than a month, that was it. She stopped it. And I found that really strange and humbling. 17 years before, plus... I had this stress manifestation. I started to use a scream, felt at rest with it. But in that moment, God said, provide this to her. And I, share, I feel it's more the testimony than the cream, the intervention. And I, I was explaining to her my process up to this point. And I said, sweetheart, I believe that all of this was for you right now. I want anytime you feel distracted or every time you feel to bite your finger, you notice you're doing it, use the cream on your hand. And she started to use it, and now the knuckles are all fine. But she went through a whole year of chewing these knuckles, and the GP, nobody could say, what was it? They're trying to find management techniques, give her a, a softball to play with. Is it something in the mind? Whatever, whatever the case is. And that was one of my examples um, of, I could have seek an escape. I could have feel condemned by stress every time this manifested. But I felt in my personal circumstance that uh, it wasn't something to choose an excuse of. And my friends didn't feel that I was being a victim to not believing in God's healing. They didn't say, oh, you lack of faith. They just came to terms with, it isn't restricting me from accessing God. I don't see it as God being unfaithful to me. 
So therefore, um, it's, it's kind of tolerable. And sometimes that could be for those who may have gone childless. It could be for those who did not get married. It could be for those who have lost a first child or a second child or whatever it is. There could be circumstances that you may think, I don't want this to be so. Why has this had to visit me? And, and I've really isn't here, but um, I remember long before I knew you all, and I was praying in the Caribbean, and uh, we had something called governmental prayer there. We have it here as well, sorry. And I remember we were praying for this person I never saw. Um, and she was sick. And like, she would not get better. Why is she not getting better? It's probably, she is a stumbling block for whatever. And we were all praying boisterously every morning for weeks on end. And I remember one morning I said, God, I want my voice to be heard before you as in touching this matter. I do not just want to be um, a passive or going for a ride inside of this. And I remember that helped define something inside of me in terms of my prayer life. And it changed from just wanting to see her getting better and moving beyond that assurance to a place of this helped her process, helped me perfect how to hear God, stand on a position of faith, and to go after him as in touching that matter. Now, Avril got healed, yeah? But she could have died. She has not, thank God. She's here with us. But I used the circumstance to build something inside of me rather than just going after the outcome inside of her, all right? So when I say with yourselves as how you engage with lives of other people, make sure it's not just about the thing you're praying for, but always look at yourself in terms of the process and believe God that there is something, some treasure buried inside of that for you. So when we read about the Israelites, it's not just them. There is something inside of me. How do I not become a Pharisee? How do I not become like those Jews? How do I not become a stumbling block? All right? Took a long way to get there, but hopefully you heard um, the application. All right, so there's more to run through. Spend 10 minutes more, 10, 15 minutes all right, so Philippians 4, 8, we were on that just before we left, and I, um, before we went to Hebrews 4, 12. But what I was saying there is that when you reflect in life on the last transgression, often the enemy could condemn you. And just recently I was thinking about something I'm very disappointed in myself about, and I said, oh, Hans, I can't believe you were thinking that, and you did that. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Hans, but that's October. What about all the things that are pleasant and pure that you reflected on since then? And it just jolted me. Here I was defining myself by something in the first week of October. Since then, I could, nothing stood out in my mind that made me feel con- um, condemned in the same way but I preferred to look to that thing in the first week of October than all the other pleasant happenings of God inside of my life. Yeah? And I think that is what Philippians 4, 8, um, is it 4, 8 is talking about. It is those things that are pure, that are lovely. If we focus and meditate on those things, then we are able to become that. Because they have to talk about looking in the mirror. If you gaze at him, you could become that. If you gaze at your fallen self, you will become that. So it's a choice that we do have. Are we hearing that? Yeah. So, anytime the enemy reminds you of a bad thought, 
Remind him about the good thoughts you just had, or you had the day before, whatever the case is. And you have a choice to become either of them, all right? Um, so we talked about the instructions to the Israelites and seeing ourselves in that place. I know for some of us, we, you know, we could call ourselves Gentiles or the ites of the land, the Amalekites, all those kinds of things. But as I said in the script here with the woman, she was able to demonstrate faith that Christ gave her what she requested, even though he called her a dog a few verses before. Yeah? The same thing happened to the centurion. All right? There were people who should not be able to access faith, but because their hearts were positioned rightly, they could see the intent of God that Christ was not to be a stumbling block or faith was not to be a stumbling block or the law was not to be a stumbling block, but they were all there as arrows pointing towards God. Okay? And therefore, it's how we look at those pointers that God has laid in life to see what he's intended. Um, if you take in notes, let me just drop some scriptures for you that hopefully would so I gave you Hebrews 4.12 there's Jeremiah 17.10 1 Corinthians 1, 23. And I love this one, 1 Corinthians 8, 9. The reason I love 1 Corinthians 8, 9... Um, it jumped on to me, you know, is that scripture, and it, it talked about it in Matthew Gospels as one. It talks about if a brother stumbles. And I know many times in my walk, no, be careful how to exercise your freedom does not become a stumbling block. All right, many times in my walk with God, when someone I love, especially if they're part of the family of the faith, disappoint me or fall short, I have been quick to tell them how they have fallen short of the standard or what they have done wrong. Anybody have done that? <laughs> the hands are not going up that fast. <laughs> All right. I've often been quick to tell them what they have done wrong. And it's very interesting. When I read this um, yesterday, you know, God took me back in my mind to Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. And he came looking for them. When Cain killed his brother. And God came to him and called him out. And everywhere I looked in the scripture. When people transgressed. Even Saul. The scripture. The, the prophet challenged him. And rather than him seeking to do like David and bow. And accept the nature of Christ. He sought to justify himself. And I saw just yesterday in my mind's eye. How God have been absolutely faithful in every circumstance, even in the, in the family tree, the family album, to bring man back to himself. And the challenge was to me, when my brother sins, how do I position myself to show them the image of who they are rather than their fallen state? How do I help them? And even when they're in ignorance, which this scripture is talking about, 
you know, if you eat meat given to idols, although you know Christ said in the Gospels, meat goes in and comes out. That doesn't defile someone. It is something that comes from the heart. Those thoughts. That is what defiles someone. Yeah? So, even though you know that revelation, if Richard is finding a stumbling block with something I'm doing, the challenge is to me to willingly sacrifice that so that he could come into life. Okay? Did Christ do that? We know he offended some people. He said he ate on the Sabbath and he said some things to some of the 70 after they came back rejoicing. He said, um, you would eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said a lot of them <laughs> followed him no more. They departed from his presence. And it was hard words. And he didn't share those hard words in order to separate. He shared those hard words to cause people to desire something more. Because in that very scripture, this is what it says. He says, and they came back rejoicing. And they said, demons fell from heaven. Demons were being cast out and they were subject. And he said, and Christ said, I was seeing things happening in the spiritual realm as well. But after he told them not to rejoice, he rejoiced. And for a long time, that scripture puzzled me. And I said, God, but how come Jesus is rejoicing and he's telling them not to rejoice? And the thing he was saying to them, I think, and this is I think, and somebody may prove me wrong, but bring, he could bring adjustment to me after, in love, as I said before. <laughs> uh, but he was saying to them, don't be excited just about the power. What I am excited about, and what he started to give glory to God for, is that they will finally see in the realm of the spirit realm. Because all they saw before was in this temporal realm. Yeah? If you go to Matthew 16 or Matthew 15, this is what the scripture says. He says, they were hungry and, and he wanted to give them food. And he says, the people said, hey, there is nothing to eat. Send the people away. And he said, what do we have? And they said, five loaves and two fishes. And he says, bring it, put the people seated in groups. He prayed on it, he gave it out. And then they collected, I think, 12 or 10 baskets. Then the next scripture, then the next chapter says, and then he was sharing with the, the guys, and there was about 4,000 this time, not 5,000. And he had compassion on them, and he prayed on it, and he separated them, and he gave it out. And then he felt, fed all of them, about 4,000 men. And they all eat, and there were many left over. When they came to the next chapter, they were all again, oh, no. They said they went on the boat, and they were sailing. And then the disciples said, we forgot the bread. And he gave a very hard rebuke to them. And what he was saying to them is, guys, how many times have you forgotten the 5,000 and the 4,000? Do you still need me to prove that I have ability to shape things in this realm? Go after me for something more. And then he said the hard scripture to them. He said, hey, you will eat this body and drink this blood. And then they say, uh-uh. <laughs> This is a contrary doctrine. A demon must be inside of you. And what he was sharing to them, he was continually trying to pull them out of the temporal and get them into a place where they're thinking in the heavenly realm. He says, I'm talking to you about eternal things, about spiritual things. So when we look into life, when we look into the scripture, the pull, the demand, the desire of God in reconciling us is to cause us to draw out of this realm, and desire things in his realm. All right? So they don't become an offense. 
They don't become airy-fairy and, you know, that's for the sweet by and by. It is something that is our inheritance right here in it. And we see Christ, just after the guys came back and they said, we saw this thing happening. So they didn't come and say, hey, people got healed and this happened and that happened. They came and they were talking about demons and spiritual things casting out. And he, for the first time, saw that they were seeing the spiritual things, which are the real things that exist. Yeah? In 2 Corinthians 10, I think we talk about, if you could pull that up, the amplified version, where Paul talked about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. So the pulling down, if you could bring that in the amplified version, it talks about, um, is that up there now? Oh, we don't have it. I bring it up in the version you have, NIV. Um, three, ten. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty right. true God. Ten. I bring up four and five together if you can. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every presentation that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to bring it obedient to Christ. Now that was Paul talking to the Corinthian church after they were doubting his, 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 the grace upon his life, him being an apostle. But in that scripture also, is, is applicable to everybody inside of this room. All right? We all have thoughts and imaginations and things in this life that seek to say we could stand against you. You know, we remember Christ said, don't fear him who could destroy the body. Or, you know, he's saying, don't just study about these things. Worry about him who could destroy the soul. And that's the enemy in that circumstance. Yeah? So he says, don't fear man. How many of us are fearful of our bosses? Or have been in terms of they could give us the sack. How many of us are fearful of parents? <laughs> uh, you. <laughs> you know, fearful of parents, fearful of things, positions of authority in this realm. We could often feel subjugated and a bit, mm, that has power over me. But Jesus also talked about fearing the enemy who could destroy both things in this realm and the soul. But when it says the weapons of our warfare are carnal, and most of us know the story of Paul, how he went on to um, go up and, he, was, and he, was, he lost his life. And it was a sense in which people warned him as they warned Jesus Christ, don't go there because this is what will happen. And they still said, yes, I will still go up. And that, if I was to say what we need to be yearning after is... Once we behold what it is God is desiring of us, or once we are loving each other, using that word Andy brought about that symbol being a clanking song because it, doesn't, it hasn't gone through the tuning fork of love. Yeah? I remember all we hear when Andy shared that scripture? He says, don't be a, a clanging symbol, a clanging um, whatever. That is because love, that tuning fork, didn't perfect the song of your heart. So when we speak to each other, 
or when we look into the family album or we pray and the Holy Spirit bring things to life, if we don't accept that which the Holy Spirit is bringing to us, then we have become like a Pharisee. We wouldn't enter and we're blocking other people from entering. All right? So can I get a bit of a stern look? All I'm saying is, when God reveals to us the nature of who we are, we could decide, I am unworthy, that's not good enough. When God reveals to us that which our friends or our loved ones need to come into, if we say that is not their rightful portion, they should not have, what we are doing in those circumstances is being a blockage or a stumbling block. And when God asks us, to say, hey, Hans, hey, David, this is who I've made you. If you refuse to accept it, like those images I've shown, you are deciding to be a dot outside of the place that God has called you to be. And you are not allowing him to use you to reflect Christ. And as I said, the very intent of God is that all of us reflect him. And we reflect him by being the image of the things he has brought to us, and also by extension, allowing others to see him through us, through how we respond to circumstance, how do we respond to things that are good and that are bad, by humility and not pride, by long-suffering and endurance, not impatience and a sense of um, petulance. All right? So... um, I will put some other scriptural references up. Obviously, in half 40, 40 minutes, there's so much that we can cover. But I want us to be like the scripture talked about a group of people called the Bereans. Yeah? Who, after they heard it, they went and searched the family album, the scriptures, to see if it was so. Okay? And they then made it established inside of their lives. All right? So I want to encourage you to be faithful. All right, there's so much we could do in this small bits of time. But I'm trusting as you look into the family album, as you talk with one another, as you wait on the Holy Spirit, he'll bring words to life. All right? If I used a wrong scriptural reference, it doesn't mean everything else I say is wrong. All right? If I give you my postcode and I miss a digit, it doesn't mean I don't live where I live. All right? It doesn't mean I got something wrong. Is that fair enough? All right? But come to me, and I could correct it. I could put it on the notes to make sure people have it right. All right? So hopefully we received it in love. I'm not using it as, a, as something that keeps you out. It's something that gives you access. All right? And that scripture we read in, in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given to build us up. And for those who don't want to access, it becomes a stumbling block. Just as Christ said, some people ask for a sign And to them, it becomes a stumbling block. To the Greek, it becomes something else. All right, then. So we're going to come back into a time of worship. And um, there's several things that were said today. God being a good father. Don't wear the winter clothes. Put on the summer clothes. Not using your standard to judge the goodness of God. Don't be a clanging noise when God wants to refine you with the tuning fork of love. And how do we become what he has called us to be and also form an access point for others to see him through our lives, all right? And if there's one thing I want you also to remember leaving here is when I look at the image, what do I see, all right? 
it was always there, that picture. But what do I see? And because I don't see it yet, do I deny its existence? All right? So don't deny the existence of a royal priesthood that God has called everybody in this room who desire to submit to him.